Hello and welcome everybody to according to Andrew number 119 cryptocurrencies. What is it? So this is a question that has been nagging me for a long time. Um, and I think it nags a lot of people that uh, aren't familiar with cryptocurrencies kind of look at it and you're like, what we just have like fake internet money and apparently it gives it value and stuff like that. And so there's like a lot of questions that come along with that. And uh, it's something I struggled with for a long time. And uh, considering Bitcoin just had its uh, 14th birthday recently, I, uh, you know, gave last year, I decided to kind of give crypto a shot just because I was like, look, I I don't really know what this is. I don't really believe in it. I think it's just kind of a huge scam and stuff like that. But scams don't usually last 13 years. Um, Bernie Madoff did last for like 20 ish. Uh, but that's kind of a different thing. And <clears throat> maybe this whole thing will come collapsing down. But I think I have a value proposition for it that in my mind, makes sense and explains what it is, why it works, uh, what things kind of uh, give it value and, and uh, kind of ask and, and answer some of those kind of intangible questions that are not intangible, but those nagging questions that people seem to have. There's some people that just kind of buy in and they're all for it. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of storylines and narratives out there about what it is or, you know, oh, it's privacy, oh, it's freedom, it's, oh, it's, and they're, depending on kind of who you are and stuff like that, they're good rhetorical appeals, but I don't think it gets to the core of the question of what it is. <clears throat> and uh, so to that end, I, this is kind of what I have come up with that makes sense to me. <clears throat> Cryptocurrencies at the end of the day are simply a ledger-based ledger system that tracks transactions. The crypto is what is used as the medium of exchange and the unit of account for the ledger. Those that keep the ledger are paid in the cryptocurrency as a reward for that service. This is exactly how the current uh, money system works. There isn't really a lot of uh, physical dollars being exchanged back and forth. It's all done through credit card and digitally. And this is how it's kept track of is through a ledger double uh, entry bookkeeping, which was invented in the 1500s by the Italians. And uh, some people might begrudge it, but I think it's a great system. And I also think it's one of the reasons that gold and silver and stuff won't uh, aren't going to co uh, come back and really ever be uh, memes exchange in the way that they have historically been seen as. Uh, that is a topic for another day that I'm not going to get into. Um, and actually, I did do a video sometime back. It might be like episode 72. I'll link it. Um, that goes into why I don't think gold and silver are the memes exchange that historically they have uh, have been have seen. I don't think they're necessarily a bad idea to have around, but they're, I don't want to say their days are numbered, uh, and maybe they'll make a comeback if uh, civilized society collapses, but it's, uh, it's a totally different thing. Anyway, off topic. <clears throat> uh, so those that keep the ledger system are paid in the crypto uh, as a reward for their service. So that way, it's basically, they're paid for the audit and updating and keeping of the ledger. Uh, exactly how our current money system works, but since the governments and banks are the ones that are in charge of that dollar ledger system, a new medium was needed uh, to be created as to not step on their turf. Uh, this is the base layer of what is known as the blockchain technology. This is the best explanation that I can give answering the question of what is a cryptocurrency. But there's other things that uh, are further asked. It goes deeper. Uh, so why do cryptocurrencies have any value? <clears throat> Effectively, it comes down to the network effect. Uh, the amount of transactions that can be recorded in a given time frame, uh, what is called a block, is the real-world limit 
and value proposition for cryptocurrencies. It basically monetizes the network effect. As more people look to move uh, from one ledger, i.e. the dollar, to a different one, that, incre uh, <clears throat> that increases demand for that one uh, ledger and decreases it for the other. Uh, additionally, as the network gets crowded, the network becomes more expensive to use. The network getting saturated as far as... Uh, the network getting saturated so far has coincided with an increase in price. This is because there is a symbiotic relationship between the network use and price. As the network is used more, uh, more people become interested in the network, which increases the demand for both the space on the network and the unit of account for the network. Thus the price of both rise simultaneously. But the cure for high prices is high prices and eventually the main network becomes too expensive to use and so people move back to the other ledger systems. <clears throat> uh, that could be other cryptos or it could be uh, various fiat systems. Uh, for new people to participate in the ledger system, an existing participant has to be willing to sell a piece of their ownership of the ledger network. Thankfully, with how the network effect works, the result, uh, this results in a growing of the pie for everyone. So it's beneficial for everyone. So while the individual might uh, have a similar have a smaller slice of the overall ledger system, it is offset by the added utility of having additional people to transact with within that network. As more people wish to transact on this ledger system, the more it increases in price. Additionally, as demand to transact on it increases, so does the cost per transaction. Uh, wait. Additionally, as the demand to transact on it increases, so does the cost per transaction. And this cost is in the unit of account, AKA the cryptocurrency. Uh, this is to balance out uh, demand against supply. This does create a positive reflexivity, however, where there, ah, where, there, where one needs to acquire more of the cryptocurrency to be able to transact on the ledger, which then also increases demand for it. And so basically, uh, as the demand for the cryptocurrency increases, so does the price in other ledger systems increase as well. Uh, this drives uh, both the price of the crypto and the dollar up simultaneously, which is why you kind of end up getting these large spikes. And then because it hits this critical mass and level, obviously there's some uh, mania and uh, market euphoria that is tied in with a lot of these uh, hockey stick level uh, gains that happen over a short period of time. But it, part of it is caused by this ledger reflexivity that um, using up the ledger kind of costs or causes and then uh, it kind of hits a ceiling and then drops off really sharply. And, you know, over time, as capacity and stuff like that gets expanded, hopefully this uh, works its way out of the system. I, it's a good and bad thing, right? Because it's a, if you bought the top, it totally sucks. But uh, it gives those, it, if it just went up and stayed up forever, uh, it would never allow new participants to enter. So kind of a trade-off. Uh, as, as they say, uh, volatility, High volatility is the price you pay for the best performing asset. I'm not, uh, this isn't supposed to be like an investment uh, thing, so, uh, but that's just a fun little tidbit that I've heard a lot, and it, it is a fun one. Um, continuing on, uh, a ledger ceases to be useful if it becomes too expensive to transact on the network. Bitcoin uh, is nearing this, I feel. Since the ledger records every 10 minutes, uh, the point at which it hits saturation uh, and maximum growth potential will be much earlier than one that has the capacity to facilitate transactions of a larger network. <clears throat> so Ethereum, I think, is every like 13 seconds for a block. Um, 
or maybe yeah it's gotta be 13 seconds uh so that's a much quicker um phantom i believe is is much faster i'm not gonna go through a whole list uh of them but uh there's a lot of chains that are much much faster than the 10 minutes that uh bitcoin kind of uh created the standard now it was the first one there is uh it has some pack leading things in that regards but uh that's the main thing it's got going for it right now is it's long longevity and stuff like that uh if you're fan of bitcoin by by no means uh am i trying to uh cause issues or anything like that but it's just something to consider uh so with this lower um growth potential it will also go up in price more initially because the it's easier to kind of hit the saturation point and therefore cause that reflexivity that causes it to hockey stick uh so initially the the first one will go up in price more where the lower capacity one will go up in price more but uh it is effectively capped by the ability of the ledger to process transactions uh and has a limited amount of network that it can actually uh, capture and so because the network is limited the amount of people that can transact on the network is limited it has a it lowers its utility as a medium of exchange uh compare this to a network that can be they can handle much larger volumes of transactions and therefore can be uh, used more. And so this kind of goes back to why there's uh, kind of a, one of the reasons that I think Bitcoin became a uh, store of value is because it couldn't transact process or uh, payments enough to become a medium of exchange. But because there was enough people that bought into the system, it did work out as a uh, uh, store of value for now uh will it hold that long term some people think so maybe it will uh time will tell 14 years is a pretty good run uh so then let's get into uh the false scarcity so there's this criticism of of crypto uh that is it creates false scarcity uh there is false scarcity when it comes to the total units of a given crypto so uh bitcoin's 20 oh there's never gonna be more than 21 million bitcoin uh and but this is a false scarcity it doesn't really matter like you it could be 20 more million it could be 20 uh 200 billion um and as people have pointed out uh with like the shatoshi shatoshis and stuff like that it can be div- uh divisible down to a very very small <clears throat> fraction of a bitcoin so it doesn't really matter in a sense of how many actual units there are so then what's the actual cap to the whole thing uh the actual limit and driving factor of the value is the amount of transactions that can be performed on the ledger uh the real world limit that is driving the value is the amount of transactions that can be performed on the ledger uh or said differently the maximum effective network of trade and exchange that the ledger can support before it becomes oversaturated and unusable uh, which then moves cryptos from an uh, abstraction built on top of an extraction abstraction uh to something of real world uh something tied to the real world and has real world constraints uh while attempts have been and then so how do we get this to expand uh currently attempts have been made to increase the amount of transactions that uh can be recorded by uh building ah while attempts are being made to increase the amount of transactions that can be recorded building up to this will take the industry some time while that is being worked on in the uh, the short-term scaling solution has been to create additional ledgers the way that 
to visualize this basically is think of urban planning and there's multiple streets leading to a center, city center. Uh, those additional streets are like additional ledgers uh, and the expanding capacity is like adding extra lanes to a highway. So those are the kind of two different approaches that are being taken and there's no reason that both of them can't be done and work simultaneously. We've had more than one country forever. Uh, I kind of see cryptocurrency as a feudalism of uh, monetary policy, I guess, where money becomes more fractionalized and uh, individualistic, I guess, is the best way to, to say it. But it, it'll it'll work a lot more like uh, what we, we see in like feudal uh, Europe and stuff like that uh, on a political level, except this will be uh, how uh, monetary uh, stuff works. <clears throat> so that's kind of an interesting way. That's a way you can think about it and uh, how I personally do. Uh, so getting into this more, people point out that crypto is not ready for uh, prime time, and I absolutely agree, but what technology in its infancy ever was, uh, trains are a good example. This leads to the question of uh, what the timeline for expanding the capacity of the ledger system might look like. The expansion potential might look similar to computers, where bytes of data were once a lot, and now uh, terabytes are common. It could also look like the expansion and use of the cannon, which did not have uh, the production facilities and high enough output to support the demands until the Napoleonic era some 500 years later. Currently, the amount of transactions that can be recorded is pitiful, but the ability for that to expand is where a lot of growth potential lies. Uh, while it will be an adoption, will it be an adoption rate similar to the internet and computers, or will it be, uh, will technological limits leave it stuck in se four centuries like the canon? Time will tell, but I lean closer to the internet more than the canon. Uh, then just to kind of clarify most of what I've been talking about when I talk about the ledger and stuff like that, that is, uh, what is often referred to as layer ones, um, cryptocurrencies. <clears throat> and these are the ones it basically, they're, they're the ledger based system. They're, uh, your Ethereum's, your Bitcoins, uh, things like that, where you're spending that currency to transact and record transactions on the network. Uh, the, there's a secondary, um, coin known as tokens, uh, your ERC twenties and things like that. Um, the idea behind these is when they're done, right, it gives the ledger additional use cases and utility that, uh, without it would make the ledger effectively useless. If there's, if the only point of the ledger is to just pass, um, the ledger coin back and forth all over the place, well, what are you really doing, right? If there's gotta be some kind of uh, exchange happening and, and things people want to exchange one thing for the other for. And so there has to be, uh, additional things built on top of it for use cases. And so that's what we see with a lot of the things built on top of Ethereum and many other chains, uh, at this point. <clears throat> uh, because a ledger is a medium of exchange, uh, which trade is conducted on, if there is nothing to trade with, then there is no person purpose for the ledger. Um, so now to kind of cover the last little part of this whole thing, and that is the concern that cryptocurrencies are basically a trap to, uh, they're, the promise of mad gains and things like that are a way to suck you in to try to extract your money or, uh, get you on something like a CBDC and things like that. And I, I think, uh, 
anyone who is concerned about risk, proper risk management and stuff like that, it is a prudent thing to consider. So let's get into that. Uh, there are those uh, concerned about committing uh, too much to a digital existence and then not being in a position to opt out should the gate be closed behind them uh, via something like a central bank uh, digital currency or CBDC. Uh, this is a wise thing to consider as one does not want to, uh, as one wants to be anti-fragile. To this end, I have come up with my own philosophy for managing this risk. Uh, first is the really obvious one of building all your forms of capital. There are eight uh, different forms of capital. Uh, those are intellectual, financial, natural, cultural, uh, built, which is kind of like infrastructure and things like that, uh, political, individual, and social. Uh, Curtis Stone of the Urban Farmer, now Rural Farmer, uh, has a great video on YouTube uh, about this. I'll leave a link in the description that goes through uh, all these in depth. I definitely recommend it. Um, and as you'll notice, only one of those financial involves cryptocurrency at all. Uh, the key is to understand that crypto falls under just one of these forms of capital, financial. <clears throat> if you build out your other forms, uh, should the worst happen and the apocalypse kicks off with a grid down situation, your skill sets and your community uh, cultivated before the crisis will carry you through uh, that crisis. And so it's it's important that people don't get overly uh, fixated with the dollars and cents of the thing and, and round out, really try to round out themselves as a person and uh, build their other forms of capital. <clears throat> Uh, to add further resiliency, I have broken down my financial security into four camps. Uh, one is a government-backed digital medium of exchange. Uh, so currently, this would be my bank account that has everything digitally in the uh, in the system and things like that. Uh, in the future, maybe this will be a CBDC, but with the other ones, uh, I limit my downside risk of them becoming super draconian with the CBDC. And we've seen in other places where it's been tried to implement it, uh, tried to be implemented like Nigeria, it has failed utterly. <clears throat> so we will see kind of what happens with that. I have a video on that as well. If you're interested, I don't think it's a threat that people make it out to be. Not that it isn't a threat. Uh, th the second is a non-government uh, digital medium of exchange. This is a niche crypto. Uh, this is the niche cryptocurrencies lion. Uh, but again, both of these are very dependent on making sure that we have electricity and uh, means to process it. Uh, the transactions. I have a hard time imagining that all electricity gets wiped out, but again, if that ever happens, I'm I got bigger problems to deal with, and the things like my other forms of capital are going to carry me through that uh, a situation that is that uh, radical. And so, for me, it's a black swan event that I don't really worry about because I've done what I can to prepare for that kind of thing having a garden, things like uh, having a community, uh, things of that nature. <clears throat> to, okay, uh, so that's, that's my second one. Then the third one is a government physical uh, medium of exchange. So this is physical cash. Uh, so in the case of something crazy happening or CBDCs being implemented and me wanting to not uh, use that system, um, this gives me a, another uh, vehicle to potentially do so. Uh, well, if the government collapses, it might technically not be worth anything. Uh, it is very recognizable, and it's one of its greatest assets. So people understand what a $20 bill is worth. People understand what $100 is worth. Uh, people 
that's not necessarily that something that translates to other mediums of exchange like cryptocurrencies, uh, like gold and silver, and uh, well, obviously, dollars in terms of uh, digital works fine, but a lot of people, um, in a grid down situation, that's not an option. Um, and then the last one is a non government physical medium of exchange. So this would be your gold and silver. Uh, well, historically, uh, the go to medium of exchange in uncertain times is less recognizable than cash nowadays. And so it might be less useful as an exchange tool than a gold bug, gold bug would generally have you believe. Uh, since they aren't commonly traded anymore, people don't have an intuitive sense of how to value it uh, at the current moment the way they do cash. And so, but I do think it is a good idea to have some around on the off chance that something uh, goes wrong. Obviously, you know, all your other stuff, uh, seeds and all that stuff are prepared as well. Uh, this approach gives me many pillars of resilience so I can, uh, and doesn't overly tie me into one system. So should one gate be closed, I have the ability to support myself uh, with the other uh, means available to me. One major factor to keep in mind is I plan to stay out of debt pretty much at all costs. Uh, there might be a situation where I have to get into debt for some reason, but I'm currently debt free and I plan on staying like that for the rest of my life if I can. <clears throat> um, is I plan on uh, staying debt free uh, because if you are in debt, you must work in that ledger system uh, that the debt was taken out of until the debt is paid back in some way. <clears throat> this can undermine your resilience as that was built up with your other mediums of exchange as to get out of debt might mean that you have to compromise your stake in one of those other mediums of exchange to bail you out of the situation in another. So, uh, you know, you have, you have your cap, your built capital in terms of a house, but then you have a lien on it and all of a sudden the government does something really draconian to where you basically, uh, where interest rates are 500%, uh, compounding every minute for people who don't agree with the government as a ridiculous example. Well, now that's going to cost you, uh, one of your forms of capital because you were stuck using their system and you, there's no, like, you can't just drop their system and leave. Um, you know, whereas if they, they decided, Hey, we're going to have like a negative interest rate or, uh, if you if you hold uh, your central bank digital currency and you try to save it, uh, there's going to be a negative interest rate on that so that eventually it'll be all eaten up. Well, that's something that you can just be like, all right, well, then I just straight up won't use it and you just drop it. And uh, there's nothing that holds you into that system, whereas the debt situation uh, can hold you in that system and it can soak up all of your other uh, means of exchange and capital can uh, get robbed from you in the other thing. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, intellectual capital is, and, uh, individual capital and things like, and social capital are really important because, um, you can't, you can undermine those things yourself, but generally you can't, uh, have those stolen from you or you can't use financial capital. Financial capital can't undermine those other things. Uh, they can in the sense that, uh, if you, use financial capital to, um, screw over your social group, then you're, you're going to lose your social capital and, uh, and you're going to spend that up and that's, that's a bad uh, move. But, uh, yeah, your individual capital, your capacity to do things, um, and your in intellect are, are two things you can always keep your, from your, keep for yourself. Uh, there's a great line in, uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, the movie, I haven't read the book. I was supposed to at one point, um, where, 
the the old guy is uh, talking to Uso. Is that his name? Uh, but basically, he's stuck in prison unfairly, and this uh, old man that uh, served in Napoleon's army is uh, the the monk is giving or priest is is teaching him all of these various things and how to fight and all these things and these are tangible things that really can't be taken away from you uh and it's very empowering uh because if you're in a situation where you're uh you go like you're zeroed out as it were you should never truly be zeroed out uh because uh, financial capital is just one form of capital and you have all these other forms of capital that can let you rebuild to the place that you were in very short order if uh your actual capital isn't if you if you're more diversified than just financial capital uh so that covers all of that hopefully you guys found that interesting uh hopefully that uh makes sense it makes sense in my mind uh so i hope it makes sense in others uh cryptocurrencies there's a lot and people use a lot of jargon and stuff like that uh, millennials love to reinvent words for things that we already uh have uh, like blockchain and stuff like that when it's literally just a ledger system. Uh, so hopefully using more plain English that we're all familiar with and, and how things work uh, has made something that seems this obscure, uh, odd little niche uh, within the internet, uh, something that's more approachable and, and uh, understandable for pre people if they're looking to, to get into it. Uh, or at the very least, you learn something. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I'm on BitChute, I'm on YouTube, I'm on... Uh, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. So depending on how you prefer to consume your podcasting content, I am available. I'm also on Gab TV uh, for those who want to help grow the parallel economy out of the way to increase your social and individual capital. So, and cultural capital. So, you know, do what you can. Um, so anyway, that uh, is my deal. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and have yourselves a good day. Goodbye.